Welcome to the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm Joe Linehan, and James Smith is out of town again, and he's on vacation somewhere on the East Coast. And today we have a special podcast with Kathy Newsom and Dewey Newsom. Um, uh, just Kathy and Dewey, they've, they've been involved at, in water polo from the 70s through the 80s, all the way through the 2010s, and they have seen everything from high school to playing college back in the 70s to uh, master's water polo and also refing and coaching. So, um, uh, Kathy and, yeah, and Dewey, a uh, 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 welcome, and thanks for doing this. Howdy, yeah. Joe. So, here, why don't you all give just your quick and, yeah, like, like your quick and, and dirty version of kind of your background here. So, Dewey. Or you want me to, I, I started playing water polo when I was seven. There you go, that's good. I started swimming when I was six and started at seven in Albuquerque, New Mexico. With uh, our coach was originally Lori Goddard, who nobody really knows, but um, Reed Barnett was the one that really took us on, and uh, we went to 15 and under nationals a couple of times, and a lot of the team went a lot of times. I went several times, and then got into college, and uh, I ended up I went to Texas A&M, and I was in the rise and fall of Texas A&M water polo. My freshman year, we got to go to NCAA's. And um, the way it was done is that FOS had to get recognition for NCAA. You know, it's a year-by-year thing. And they had a great team before I ever showed up. But I happened to get there and be on the varsity team. The first year, they got to go to NCAAs. My sophomore year, we did not make it. We lost uh, to a, a team by one goal, which so we didn't get in. And in my junior year, we made it again. So we actually went to NCAAs. Uh, twice out of three years and then the next year Mel Nash came in and uh they kind of kicked Foss off to the side throughout water polo uh we 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 can get that here in uh, in, in a couple minutes but how like but how was playing for Fosdick it was good Foss, Foss was uh I talked to Vinny today you may not know who Vincent is Vincent Tavares he's our goalie yeah. but, but Vincent put it personally or perfectly Foss was a visionary he really, really saw water polo in Texas, like what you're doing now. But he was doing it back in the 70s. Yeah, when there was a lot less pools, a lot less water polo going on. So. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. But he, he's the one that started all the high school water polo teams. And um, then the state championships and stuff like that. State championship, he'd have that A&M every year. Um, and I think Foss, he started actually at A&M in 1970. And so by 76, he had a lot of stuff going on. A lot of teams coming to these tournaments, a lot of high school teams. Playing for Foz was interesting. He was he was a different guy, but he was he was good. And he again he was he really looked out for water polo. And and yeah, and for those that don't know, um the the MVP trophy for um, high school water polo now in Texas is named after Dennis Fosdick. And Dennis Fosdick was the head coach at Texas A&M back in the seventies until um about I guess about nineteen eighty, right? And then no, um, no, he- it was uh, 75, it was 76, 70, 78, 79 is when Foz got ousted. And we, we actually played, he, he coached that, um, <clears throat> that's that fall and we went to indoors with him. And then, then he went to California that spring. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was it, I got to know Foz a little bit as a kid at his developmental camps and such. And he was just a big cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Type thing. But I just heard it was a lot of fun playing for him. And he did some great things for like, like, like Texas and the sport back then. 
But um, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Like, I mean, I swam for Mel Nash um, for a couple of years. Um, like Mel coming in, I guess he was a, 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 like a young guy and it just was that transition from NCAA to club. So how did that happen? It just, I mean, we didn't get NCAA recognition. So, I mean, okay, it just, I mean, it was a it was year. Just, year. Like, I had to go talk to the athletic director each year and, and get us NCAA, NCAA recognition. Really? And really? So I it was, it, it was a year to year thing? Hey, Joe, they brought in Mel in the summer of that year when nobody was there was around. We, a lot of our guys thought, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have a really good, good coach coming in and, uh, come to find out when Mel showed up and that's what I thought was going to happen. It, I think they either told him no more water polo or he decided no more water polo, but that's when the water polo. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was right there. Uh, kind of after title nine, a, a lot of teams started kind of dismantling their men's water polo programs then. And unfortunately, and got kind of caught up into it too. Now, didn't you also but, throw but there were, men were playing there too. You were forgetting They're, they had a yeah, phenomenal women's, women's team. At AM, the women's varsity, the varsity program as well. And, and they were recruited to come in and play water polo as well as swimming. They were yeah. all very good people. No, yeah. like, I mean, who was, uh, who was on the, who was on the team for Debbie the Star. Debbie Starr was one Debbie of the, was Debbie on Starr was on it. And, um, and, um, uh, Hogan. Yeah. Um, Shirley, uh, Shirley Hill, Shirley Hill from California. Um, Jeannie Hill from California. I mean, it just, they yeah. brought in a lot. Oh, Yates' wife, Kathy. Singletary. Singletary Yates. Okay. Yeah, so, so they, they had some, um, they had some women that could play for sure. Yeah. They, so they, now how did some of those California people uh, transition from California to College Station, Texas? They were recruited by Fawcett. No, but okay. Uh, how was the transition? How was the transition? It's a little bit different world. <laughs> I don't know. I went to A and M, and I know it's a different world. So, I I can't speak for them. Okay. Okay. Well, Dewey, it, um... Dewey had his own transition too. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was a different. Back then in the seventies, the ratio of men to women was twenty five to one. Yeah. So right there alone was a big transition. So um, not too many women back then. Not too that's, many. That's, that's getting off point. But but so so there was that alone, plus the fact that you know you're all in Texas from California. But the the nice thing about that is a lot of those guys stayed. They didn't yeah. all go back to California. They stayed in Texas. Yeah. You know, you know like I mean, Gates, for example, he didn't go back to California. He stayed here. Yeah, yeah, and he's, and he's still playing for swimming and and water polo. I mean, no, I mean, it's just, I mean, and it, it, it was great because, it, I mean, water polo didn't completely go away at AM. and it, it kind of turned into a club, and that's, what, and that's what you did, Kathy, right? In the early 80s, you played club at, at like, Actually, at a and Vincent and I turned it into a club. Okay. Now, now, how was that first season after you turned it into well, we club? Went to, we went to indoors, but we had some women on our team, so they, they didn't like it. They didn't really, we had to forfeit all our games, but we had a great time. Really? Yeah. Internationals. Yeah. These women they're talking about were six talking, foot one, yeah. six two. Yeah. They were they were good players and good swimmers, and yeah. they took them up to nationals and, and indoors, not NCAA's, but yeah. indoor nationals. I mean, I I mean, I, I I firmly appreciate that you started the club there because I actually ended up playing club at A and M back in the early '90s and into the middle of the '90s, and that's that's probably whenever I got to meet kind of you guys kind of for the first time because we because we played in all the different masters events and such like that 
So, but um, I mean, just tell us uh, just tell us a little bit about like like the Masters team after you guys got out of like kind of kind of A and M Rice Hops and kind of and kind of how that got started in the, in the whole Masters water pool. Um, Rice was already before I ever joined with them. They were already playing. Actually, if you want to go way back. Steve McDonald was used to be on the team called the Bunch. When I was in college, <laughs> we played against them. That's where I first met Steve. You mean for those that don't know, Steve McDonald is Mac McDonald. Yes. Yeah. So water polo, six ten sports. <laughs> so he was on a team called the what? The the bunch was the name the of the team. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And then Rice was like the precursor to hops, correct? Yes. And, um, and what's the Mark, and what's the nickname? Mark Stanley was the one that was running, and this is I, I think Mark Stanley was the one that was actually in charge of, of the Rice team for a while. I don't know how that happened, but he 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 got me out there and a couple other people. And at the time I started, I think there was like four or five rice people, or people from rice, and then, and then one guy was what ended up being in the end. And rice had given him some money for like tournament entry fees and stuff like that. So that's when we changed the name to hops because we really didn't have any rice students to, to warrant rice paying for any of the. <laughs> but they gave you pool time too. Yeah, they did give us pool time. Yeah, yeah. yeah we so now, once a week whether we needed it or not. There you go. Now, what does hops stand for? Houston obsolete polo squad. It's not the it's it's not your favorite ingredient in, in your favorite beverage. Well, <laughs> <laughs> or is a little dual meaning going right derived, there? So it's kind of derived like that. Actually, one of the old AM guys came up with when we were trying to name a name, uh, Tops Texas obsolete polo squad. Okay. And I looked at him and said, No, it's hops. It's used <laughs> obsolete polo squad. So. No, but it, no, it's, it's just. Who that was? That was Bradshaw. Yeah, Jim Bradshaw. Jim Bra Bradshaw. Tops. Yeah, one yeah. of the A and M club players after us. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is this is going back. These are all names that I kind of vaguely remember from back in the day. I I, I remember going and playing you guys and playing with you guys. I mean, there was there used to be some a, a lot of uh, like a ton of tournaments, like what five or six tournaments a year of just of just masters, um, and just I mean just. I just remember going up to the Dallas tournaments that Frank Connor used to run, and uh, and just Masters show. It was we we play all our college teams too. Texas would have tournaments, A and uh, M would. Um, Dallas would usually have three tournaments, and Hops even started to have tournaments later on down the road. So yeah, in 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 Texas we had a lot of tournaments, and then we we do a lot of traveling too. Yeah, I mean like I mean. Just kind of remember the like like the Dallas tournaments. Uh, I know like they used to also have like a lot of the indoor nationals and such at the old kind of Northlake College Pool. Yeah, they sure did. A couple of them. And there was there was one if I vaguely remember was it probably what ninety sometimes where the water was freaking cold. <laughs> yes. So did you play at that one? It was also freezing outside, so you had a, a heater in the pool that didn't work, and you had uh, freezing temperatures outside. But they did have that big old hot tub there that I remember that you could go jump in real quick. Because you were jumping in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, was it um? And there was no warming up. Let's just put it that way for that tournament. That's yeah, that's kind of what I remember. Unless you're in hot shower, yeah, or in the yeah, jacuzzi. Warming up was in the shower. And that's and that's wherever I think I got my first taste of just kind of watching or playing against some of the greats, like you know, like like the like the like the Terry Schroders of the world and all those greats that that that, that were on the eighty four and eighty eight and yeah in the ninety two teams. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They had the goalie, the Olympic goalie that was there. He was there at one of those tournaments. Yeah. Um uh, yeah the just um some of the, some of those guys were just phenomenal. 
and we got to see him up close and personal in that pool. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. It's, I mean that was I don't know if that was quite twenty five meters or not. That was more like twenty five yards, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean because there's because it got a little shallow kind of quick. Problem is is for some of those goalies, the bottom the the shallow end was shallow. They were standing standing on the bottom. It didn't matter what kind of whether they had a bottom or not. We weren't going to score on them anyway. So there you go. But um, it was Wilson in the cage. Yeah, Wilson. Wilson, Craig Wilson, Craig Wilson. So like, um, like you mentioned that you guys kind of, this is something that I know that teams don't necessarily do as much as they used to, but like kind of travel, like as a master's team from Houston hops goes and travels and plays. So kind of, kind of, where did y'all go and travel and play? Oh, geez. We went to Albuquerque a, a bunch of times. We went to a lot of in, indoor nationals. Um, St. Louis. We went to St. Louis, Chicago, Chicago, Florida, Florida, Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah. So just, yeah, just uh, uh, like just a ton of good trips. I, I remember, I, I think I was living up in New York and coaching up there. And I think I met you guys in Atlanta for a couple of tournaments. <laughs> well, I remember yeah. when you flew in to play for us in Albuquerque one, one. That was, that was, uh, that was where we had, uh, that was whenever we had four dudes from A&M. Yeah. And yeah. Eric Doyle. Eric Doyle, Brent Coffey, myself, and Oscar Canales. And, we, and just for the audience, Eric Doyle was the, uh, Blue Angel, Blue Command. Angel Commander. Yes, and and yes, and uh, this was we actually flew in a in a four seater Cessna from A and M College Station, yeah, to Albuquerque, and that was probably a big old mistake because we're like, oh, this is going to be less expensive than a yeah yeah than a Southwest flight, and let's just say we don't fly over the mountains there. We yeah, fly between yeah, the mountains. over the Sandia Mountains, and that is and came into that tournament. We had to play like. 30 minutes once you got to the airport? Yeah. And we, Every one of you were green. <laughs> yes, that was even even Eric, that like uh, uh, yeah. the pilot. And we had to leave a day early. We got back a day late. So we actually lost money on that trip, but it was a good story. I mean, I like, I still, because we had to stop about five times just to refuel. And I still remember just going into the flight, like the runway at uh, Roswell, and we were coming in sideways because of the crosswind was so bad. <laughs> I have never stepped foot in a Cessna since, and I don't think I ever will. So there you go. <laughs> but hey, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. But Eric did become the commander of the Blue Angels, so there you go. He took it to the next level. So <laughs> way much more than the next level than the Cessna pilot. <laughs> yeah. So it's so good we all live through that experience. Yeah. And so now, um, kind of, yeah, another thing that a lot of people probably don't remember or haven't even heard of is the Olympic Fest tournaments. Yeah, actually, it started out the National Sports Fest, and they started in 1978. And I, th I think what they were trying to do is emulate what Russia was already doing. And so it was a big uh, tournament, not tournament, but a big Olympics, basically. And they mm -hmm. divided the country in North, East, South, and West. And they had every every um, sport that was in the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, and some that were in the Pan Am Games, not in the Olympics yet. And it was a lot of fun. Seventy yeah, I mean, in the first year, and it was in Colorado Springs. So it was like a little Olympic village. Yeah, and they had the Olympic village. You had, as a as an as a, a participant, an athlete, they gave you a tag, and you'd go look at any other sports you wanted to go look at. So we saw, I mean. To the several of those I went to, there was, I saw a lot of different sports that are a lot of fun to go watch. I've never been able to see before. Now, my, like, like they entered those things, but what, in the mid-90s? 95. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I know one of the last ones was in, yeah, was in San Antonio. And mm -hmm. for those that don't know the Olympic fest, again, it was split up into four teams. There would always be players from Texas that were, that were, that were represented on what was it? The Southeast South. team. South. Yeah. Like you get like the South team. And I think you probably played on that team uh, numerous times, right? Yeah. I went to five of them. There you go. And it could have gone to a couple more, but uh, things just didn't fall into place for me, you know, work. life, work. Yeah, like, you know, adulting. You really want to play for. <laughs> <laughs> Sit on the bench for. But no, but no, but no, but those things were great. I mean, I just, I mean, I was probably, I missed the boat as far as I'd being a little too young to play on those, but I, but I definitely remember going and watching those things. Do you remember definitely the one in San Antonio? Oh, uh, what was that? Do you remember seeing the one in San Antonio? Oh, yeah, of course, of course, of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that was over in Palo Alto and stuff like yep. that. And yeah, and yeah, and, and they played there. It's just, there was a lot of water polo going on. Just a, a lot of people think that there just wasn't a whole lot back in the 70s and 80s, but there, there was a ton of water polo going on. And you guys also had a little bit like, I mean, uh, like, you know, Kathy, you kind of coached a little bit too for high school kind of and kind of refereed here or there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, coached swimming, water polo and supervised diving. And, um, and then um, after six years of that, I started a business and Dewey was still playing. And so was I kind of off and on with the hops team. But um, it was kind of a natural fit when there was a, a lull in refereeing. They needed people. And so I would draw my referees from the hops group because, mm -hmm. you know, easier to teach when they already know how to play. Yes. Uh, and they were and a lot of them were willing to take the time and um, um, it, to give back to the sport at that level, at the high school level. So, so it was a good fit. I think I did that for like 10 years. I was the coordinator and I, uh, the Houston water polo group. And uh, my job was to try to get people in and then get them uh, tested and improved to where we could send them to JOs in California or, you know, to referee club, you know, we kind of fed the club system too. Dennis Lawrence was in charge. Bart Larson was refereeing then. Um, uh, Smith was, was refereeing there was you know we had a whole group in fact a lot of the coaches now that are coaching were part of that group when they were um, in high school and college yeah, like yeah like scott slay scott yeah, slay yeah we, we yeah they they would play for hops and they would ref and then they would go to school and by refereeing you know they made pretty good money especially if you were good you know you got to get a lot of good games in and so it it, it was kind of a win-win for them they could make a fair amount of money and not have to do a normal job and yet they were going to go into coaching anyway so and like, like like Scott and Justin Pudwell and Justin Pudwell coached at at a Division three school in California for ten years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Markwitz, uh, T.J. Markwitz was one of my refs. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of them um, um, refed, and um, and that was a good. It was a good time to be a part of all that. Uh, those guys were run, young, athletic. They had also played college, so it was easy to put them on the deck. Um, and um, Justin would grow a grow goatee so he wouldn't look so baby faced when he was up there. Right <laughs> you know, he's I think, 20, 21 I think he still old. has the goatee. I, I think he still has the goatee a little but does bit. Does he? We yeah. haven't seen him in years. And it, and it was fun for us because they'd be playing with hops. And, um, you know, after games or whatever, if they were close by, they'd be invited for dinner or swim or whatever. So it was, it was, it was always a good time with us. I mean, no, we like to cook. They'd come over, they'd eat, be jolly, you know. I mean, and, and there was a little bit of an issue there, at, at, like in the mid 2000s or early 2000s, kind of whenever you kind of stepped away a little bit. I like just tell us a little bit about that with the like 
like the like the coaches and the referees kind of kind of went at it. I mean, the coaches and referees always go at it, but this was outside the pool. Yeah, there was um, there was a big um, a big problem. Um, you know, we we wanted the referees to be independent of the coaches, mm-hmm. and we really promoted the education of the referees to stand on their own two feet, so to speak. Yep. Well, of course, and um, and which is the way it should be. Well. The coaches, some of the coaches here in Houston didn't like that aspect of it and started resenting that these high school referees were going off and refereeing in these other places. And then in some ways, I felt like they felt like they were threatened because our referees like Dennis and Bart and uh, Bart Boston and Dennis Lawrence, you know, um, even um, Smith. I mean, they were refereeing at J.O.'s. Some of those coaches had never even coached at J.O.'s. And yet, so now the tide had turned as to who knew what, right? Before it was the coaches knowing everything in their opinion, and now the referees had their own share of knowledge and their opinions and stuff. So, um, so it was it was, and then one of the um, senior coaches retired from um, teaching and coaching, and the coaches decided that that guy should be in charge of the Houston high school referees, and pretty much separated um, separated our group. Yeah. And, and then, so- and then within a couple of years, that coach actually came to a, a JT wall up in North Texas and said, um, I can't do this. Can you please do this? And it came back around to be its own kind of a separate kind of a like kind of entity that only lasted for a couple of years. But the, the shame of it was that a ton of really good referees just stopped refereeing. Oh, oh no, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's like having a senior when you have a freshman, the senior is not only there because he's a senior, but he helps teach the freshman. Well, mm-hmm. the same way in refereeing, you develop a referee similar to you would develop a player. They come in at a certain level, and then you put them in positions to become a better referee, to handle different pressures and, and um, those kinds of things. And, um, and um, yeah, all that was gone. You know, that we didn't have, they didn't have the leadership. You didn't have the opportunities to referee outside the little bubble, the high school bubble. Um, and, uh, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was not a good thing in, in the long run, but on the other side, you know, it did help form the statewide organization. We were already kind of center of the statewide organization as far as, you know, sharing our referees with San Antonio or whoever was having a tournament, but, um, it also helped, I think by having that huge drop out i think it helps mesh the whole state together as far as officials i mean um, I, mean, I mean basically probably probably one of the reasons why they wanted like they tried it on their own for a couple of years it just didn't work out necessarily it's just that there was a big explosion of the number of teams that were playing back in the late 90s or the or the, i'm sorry the late 2000s and it was just too much and they and they needed just yeah like 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 they needed like I was like back in the day, I, I told JT, we need Kathy back. We need Dennis back. But I don't think that you guys were coming back anytime yeah. soon. So. Um, Debbie Starr, another example. But yeah. um, for, for me, the, the position was that I refereed some, but I was basically a coordinator and an organizer because I had hops. Yeah. You know, I had that phone list for those hops players. I needed a referee. Hey, will you go out? You know, have you already passed the test? Will you go out and referee these five games for me? And and because they had all that experience, you know, being in Houston, you get some water polo players from all over the country that play college or international or whatever, you know, I could put them on the deck and they'd be better than most people would be. And, um, and, and, and they lost that when they lost me to a certain yeah. extent. You didn't have that, that 
that influx. And be and, honest with you, we're still bubble of people coming in. We're still searching for that right mix still, still to this day. I mean, it's still, we're still a little bit behind the curve for the referees. So, I mean, just, I mean, it's grown a lot and we just haven't grown the referees at the same rate. So, but I think that's the same thing from across sports and in water polo around the country. It's like, we never have enough referees. So now did Dewey, did you ever get out on the pool deck and ref? Uh, for about one year. And that's about all you could take from it? Yeah. I was in a <laughs> high school game and it was really bad. And it Dutch, is hard. Dutchie uh, Kuderman was a, was a ref too that same game. It was he and I. Dutchie was at a, another guy that he was at A&M with me. Uh, he was a freshman the same year. Uh, he played, you know, both NCAAs. So we're refing this game and these, these kids are just beating the heck out of each other. And you're calling foul right and left. I think parents are screaming at you, you know, yada, yada, yada. And when the kids start, the game got over and these kids start coming up to me and said, telling me how horrible I was as a ref, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you don't lose a game 19 to one because of yeah. the refs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I've had to put on my referee hat and teach referees. And sometimes it's the hardest thing is to referee and keep your mouth shut whenever kids are doing dumb stuff in the pool or coaches are doing dumb stuff. You just got to. You just want to sit them down and say, hey, coach. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now that's, but that's something you that you, <laughs> but that's something that you did back in the eighties. Right. So like, as like the rise of high school water polo kind of happened in like in Houston throughout the eighties and throughout the nineties, like you, like you mentored a number of coaches back then, right? Yeah, I did. Um, actually the first one was Barbie Sampson at Clear Creek high school. I uh, went and helped her team and they, they only played for like a year. And uh, I, we ended up taking, they just started and they ended up taking both teams to state, girls and boys. And um, then things kind of fell apart. So then, you know, I'd already, it was really a couple of things happened during that time frame. You know, Matt, Steve McDonald back in 70, 78 for the first sports fest, he was the manager of Foz's team. That's where I really learned to meet Steve. And so when I was at um, Clear Creek coaching, uh, I called Steve, you know, because he was already pretty well set at North Shore at the time. And he came in and, and gave us a goal and gave us caps and gave us balls just to, you know, help get our team started, which is really cool of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's in, and that's still today. There's teams that, oh, so you want to start? Here's, yeah, here's, here's, here's an old goal. Here's, yeah, here's some old balls. That's just how it still works, even, yeah, even to this day. And you can help, like, like, you know, kind of like, you know, Tom Landgraf at Clear Lake and uh, and some other coaches down there, right? Uh, Landgraf was, was when he was at Baytown Sterling. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because after that year, I, I called t uh, Tom and said, hey, I need a place to kind of do some workout. He goes, I'd love you to come in and help work with my kids. So I came in and helped work with his kids, and uh, they did pretty well that year. I think they came in third in state that year. And no, yeah, I mean. Year, I think they won state. And, and, and there's a ton of people from hops back in the eighties that really just helped out behind the scenes that, you know, nobody really necessarily yeah, remembers because they didn't win like coach of the year or something like that. But, but, but without people like, like the both of you, um, I don't believe high school water polo kind of would have grown like it did in, in Houston. So I do, I do thank you for doing that and such. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Well, yeah, there was um, there was a hops guy that um, coached the Rice women's team. Um, they were club, and they they ended up winning nationals or got second. Remember that about 15 years ago? That guy was a hops guy, and he just did on volunteer basis. 
is when I started coaching those girls. They were good. I think that was, I mean, I, you know, it, it yeah, all blends, it, it all blends nowadays. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, the time is, is different, but um, yeah, so over the years, a lot of people have contributed, you're exactly right, in different ways, even then to go in, um, even to help with the little kids or to help um, the referee or, um, you know, they used to have those one day tournaments on Saturdays where, the, you know, a little high school team would come out and play against hops and an Austin team. And it was just like a little round robin and then everybody would go home. It was just a day tournament. Those were always really good for the kids, you know, to develop, you know, getting up against the big boys and um, playing. And, you know, it was just the one, no one had to travel very far. And oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, because. And, and Joe, and back in the day, and, and actually in my childhood water polo playing, we intermixed the girls and the guys in practice all the time. We had some of the most vicious girls I've ever seen. They're a lot worse than the guys. They still are. They were brutal. They still are. <laughs> and, and so, and so at Hops, you know, once going through college at Hops, I encouraged all girls to come out and play and encouraged a whole lot of high school kids to come out and play. So I think just as them coming out to scrimmage with us and play with us, we developed a lot of those high school kids that weren't going to get developed the way they would have if they just played high school ball. Exactly. I mean, um, I, like, I still remember kind of moving to Houston back in the early 2000s, and I probably talked to you guys about this kind of even, be even before I moved, but you know, there, there was a lot of high school water polo and they played during the summer during the whole, like the old jalapeno league. Right. And, um, and some of the better kids would go out to hops, but there was a bit of a need for the, like youth water polo. And just, I mean, I know that you guys got out of the sport in the early 2010s, but just in that time frame, just there was a bit of a rise of youth water polo club and just almost how it's kind of almost overtaken the whole mass. Like it, like it used to be only master's club though. Like there were five tournaments a year and they were all master's men's. And now like you guys kind of saw the, like the growth of that, uh, uh, like kind of a little bit. I mean, just any thoughts as far as that's concerned? Well, we have a couple of hops players, their kids played during that development plan. One of them is still playing in San Antonio. So we, we got to see it as, you know, the, the, the friends of the parents, right. You know, yeah. they were in all the tournaments the kids were going to. And it, it not only did it help with the, the organization and having that year-round water polo, but the fact that finally Houston developed some really nice pools that had deep, double deep ends. Mm -hmm. And um, that was always our problem is it, you could, you know, you could have five great pools, but they'd always have a shallow end. Yeah. So with all the, the growth in the Houston area and Dallas, you, you got new pools and they all had deep ends, <laughs> double mm -hmm. deep ends. So, um, so that really helped water polo and it helped take the crap out of water polo, quite frankly. I mean, if you can stand on the bottom, you know, life is a lot different than if you have to swim the whole difference. And it, it's, it's harder to referee. It's harder to play in. It can get more physical and out of, out of, you know, out of line very quickly because everybody can stay on the bottom. So mm -hmm. I think just the growth, in the fact that we had more facilities, plus, of course, the the influx of the club program, year-round program for the kids. And the kids nowadays are different. They don't want to swim up and down that line like we did. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine those kids, those kids swimming four and five hours a day like we did, lifting weights, and that's all they did? No water polo? <laughs> oh, we have, we have kids where um, I've literally had kids where we've had to teach them how to do a flip turn yeah, before they were going into high school, but they had been playing water polo for four years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they ended up becoming like, you know, and they were like, like, you know, 21, 50 freestyle or 20 point 50 freestylers. They were great swimmers. They just didn't know how to do a flip turn. Right. They didn't know how to 
swim with their head down. They just had to learn that from their swim coach, but you know, they played water polo first. Wow. Then they swam. And, that, is, and that's the and that's the huge difference now because before the majority of the swimmers they would play water polo. Yeah. So that's a huge difference. Now now you're getting the broader athlete coming into the sport. Mm-hmm versus just getting a pure swimmer playing the sport. Yeah, and there's a lot more competitions now for the youth. Like, I mean, every weekend there's an opportunity to play uh, club water polo almost between the, like, the end of high school season and the beginning of the next high school season. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it is truly a year-round kind of endeavor. There's been a ton of people that have been part of it. You guys were part of it. I still remember doing the, like, the Houston Summer Open, you know, with you guys, you know, kind of back in the day. Back in what 2003, we first started that down in down yeah down in down in Fort Bend, and then you know it just you know just getting more events and just kind of, and just kind of more people. Um, I mean, more coaches. I mean, we 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 never have enough coaches. We're I mean, like we're gonna talk about this. Like we have the fall UIL season coming in 2021. Yeah, congratulations of, we, on getting that passed. That they had tried years ago. It's just a it's a wonderful thing for the sport. If they did not try years ago, we would not be able to have finished it. But there's a lot of people that, yeah, that, that were part of it. But, you know, we're going to have a ton of coaches that don't even know what water polo is. That are be coaching in high school water polo. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, like, that's not any different than 20 years ago. <laughs> North well, yeah. It's, to be honest with you, it's not that different than five years ago either. So, yeah. like, I mean, it's just, I mean, but, you know, if you're a good coach and, like, and you want to learn it, like, you can learn. It's probably a little bit easier to get stuff and learn now than trying to go to the library and checking out a water polo book or something like that, or, or going to a practice and watching, you can get a, there's, there's a, there's a ton of resources, but, and the water polo season is going to, and the high school water polo season is moving back to the fall. It's going to be fun. I mean, well, I, I have my own opinion on that as an ex coach. So, so be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. For, so um, we played fall water polo when I was coaching. And so um, I, I started water polo with a high school that I was the, the head coach of and, um, and we had this great distance swimmer, just great. Miler, just top notch, you know, world uh, country ranked and stuff. He was at A&M there a couple of years ahead of you and your brother, I think. But um, anyway, so he, he, could, he could swim just constant 52s, 53s, you know, just one of those. Yep. You know, but he had never broken a 50, five, five, 50.0 in 100 freestyle, never, not even come close. Yeah. After water polo, he played water polo. He loved it. He, you know, he was an athlete. He loved it. First meet, 49-2. That's what it is. And I can't tell you that, that the confidence that developed in that kid, I mean, just to think, man, I can sprint now, or at least I can be competitive in it. And that just helped us 200. It helped us 500. So um, I, I use that as an example all the time of that, you know, water polo really can help a swimmer. As yeah, well and as, I mean, we only, you know, vice versa. Like the, the water polo community, move the sport to the spring just to have something that didn't conflict with high school swimming to help it grow. Cause it was actually, it was losing the number of teams that was playing. It was only like about 30 or 35 at the time. So now it's at about 150 to 160 kind of total schools, you know, throughout the state that are playing um, the water polo coaches and the swim coaches, they weren't necessarily the ones that decided to move it to the fall. It was the, um, the UIL because there's just less sports that are played during the fall. So that was an opening there. And obviously the water polo community was like, yes, we're, we are, we're not going to question it. <laughs> yes, please. We'll and, um, and uh, um, it's one of those things where, uh, where as a club coach, 
I would much rather the season be a fall season. Always, I've always said that because now, as soon as they're done with high school swimming in February, it is it is six seven months kind of kind of kind of leading up to JOs at at the end of July. So I mean, it's just it's 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 not it's not broken up now. It, it used to be the like the like the primary club season was the summer and fall, which JOs kind of in the middle. And then not as and then not as many kids kind of kind of would play in the fall. Now it's going to be just gearing up and going. And, it, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. There's going to be a, a lots of challenges, but you know, I mean, this is, this is, this is, you know, we had a lot of water pull back in the seventies, kind of, kind of an eighties and we're, there is no end in sight now. I mean, it is, it is, it is out there and I'm looking forward to it. And I, and I appreciate that uh, for you guys kind of coming on. Yeah. Yeah. With us today. Um, this is, this has been fun going down kind of a uh, memory lane. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Kathy and Dewey. Uh, kind of thanks a lot. I, I do appreciate it. All right. Hey, it was good to talk to you, Joe. All right. And that's a TX Water Pole podcast. Um, and there's no special things about our, our donors or our sponsors because I don't know them. James is not here to say it. So um, this will be posted at txwaterpole.com. Thanks and take care, everybody.